Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you and this is your time. And I pray that we give it to you, God. I know I come into this place with a lot of worries, a lot of thoughts, things that's got to be done, need to be done. God, a lot of stuff competes for our minds, and maybe I'm not alone this morning. But God, whatever we come in here with that's competing for our thoughts and mind, I pray today that you'd, you'd hold our minds captive, dear Lord, that we would hear your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and speak to each one of us, God, that, that we would get something from your word, what we need to hear, dear Lord. I pray that you just be with us in this time. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes is, is somewhat a unique book when you look through Scripture. I like Ecclesiastes a lot because, in a way, if I could describe it in one word, I would say it's real. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. And, and, and I, guess, I guess really in some way it, it, it brings about some hard truths that we all have, have come to know. The book of Ecclesiastes, I suppose we could say, it sets expectations. It sets expectations. And, and the expectations that Ecclesiastes set for us are not expectations that all is going to be well in life and everything is just fine and there are not any problems. In fact, it really is just the opposite. It simply speaks a truth that even if we don't like to acknowledge it, we must acknowledge that what the book says is true. Expectation is the thief of joy, as the old saying goes. And so perhaps books like Ecclesiastes are good for us to set realistic expectations. That's, that's one of the worst things in life is expectations. If you ever eaten anywhere before and it was just fantastic, or somebody else has eaten somewhere and it was just fantastic, and they come and they tell you, you have got to eat here. This is the best place you will ever eat in your life, and you have to get this dish. It will never be better anywhere else you get it. Well, guess what? You, are, you have set yourself up for failure because you are expecting to go there and, and just be blown off your feet and just get the greatest joy ever when you take that first bite. But, but the expectations that we often set are so high that they can never be lived up to. I told Michelle this six months ago. I said, next time we eat somewhere that's really, really good, I'm not going to tell somebody that. I'm going to say, this place is all right. You ought to check it out. And then when they get there, they'll eat it, and they'll say, this is the best place I've ever eaten. <laughs> but that's what expectations do. We sometimes get these expectations of what we think things are going to be like and how they're going to happen. And when they don't happen in that way, the joy that we thought we were going to feel is stolen from us. Now, that's not to say that the book Ecclesiastes is just a downer and a bad book. It's certainly not. But it simply gives us the expectations that we need to realize are there in our life. To sum up the book of Ecclesiastes, if I may, for just one second, life is tough. That's what Ecclesiastes says. There are good days and there are bad days. And that's what we see here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is an appointed time... For everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. Now, we have this nice introduction to what the author here, probably Solomon, is about to write to us. Everything happens 
at its appointed time. At the time that it is supposed to happen. At the time that God wants it to happen. At the time that God allows it to happen. Now that's a crazy thing for us to really wrap our head around and understand God's timing and why he allows things to occur, how they do and when they do. Yet God's word tells us that God is in complete control. There's nothing happens that God does not know about, that God does not allow. And there are times for everything in our life, some of which are good and some of which are bad. And we see that as we continue on. Verse 2, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. Now, the beauty of Ecclesiastes, I think, is, it's, is it, it just tells us very simply in ways that are, that are easy for us to understand that we can, we can instantly connect with because we understand what life is like. We understand this truth that there is a time to give birth and a time to die. Now, as tough as death is and loss is for us, we know that that is a reality of life. And, and we could say of death that it brings about great sadness, but we could say of birth that it brings about great joy. This is part of life. This is the cycle of life. There is birth and there is death. And there is birth and there is death. And so it will be even in this church. The first day of the year, I would venture to say that by the time we get to the first day of next year, that there is at least one and maybe more sitting in this room today that will not be here next year. That's a hard thing to think about, but that's, that's the reality of life. Is some will pass on. But there are some in this room perhaps that will bring a new life into the world. Perhaps it will be you. Perhaps it will be a, a grandchild that would be brought into the world or somebody you're close to. There will no doubt be the experience of new life and birth. And that's, that's part, of, part of life. We have the sadness of death and the, and the joy of birth. And there is a time for each. I don't know that we're ever ready for either of those times. We're never ready to lose those that were loved. And while I'm not a parent, I can appreciate that I don't know that you're ever ready for your first child when that child comes along. But all things happen at their proper time. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. It's simple, practical advice. You got this. If you've ever planted a garden or planted flowers, you know that there are certain times of the year it's time to plant. There are other times of the year that Things play out. It's time to dig your garden up. It's time to get ready for the next season that's coming along. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. Now, that, that's kind of a tough one, right? A time to kill. Maybe some read that passage and say, well, praise the Lord for that. There's some people in my life I don't like too much. But that's not what God is saying here when he says there's a time to kill. Now, we, uh, we, we think about the Ten Commandments, let's say, uh, and particularly in some translations, it says, thou shalt not kill. But then, but then we have to reconcile that with some commands that sometimes God gives his people to say, go and annihilate these people completely. Now, now, which one is it? Is God contradicting himself or not? Well, we have to be careful with that language. Perhaps the, the better translation there is, thou shalt not murder. Take somebody's life with ill intent. Now, there are certainly 
times to kill. Now, what, what might those times look like? Well, uh, there are times where wars take place. There are times that these things occur. Now, now when, when God commands his people in the Old Testament to go and destroy and annihilate nations, God is a righteous judge, and he can bring judgment on those deserving of judgment in whatever way he sees fit. And sometimes he does that by the sword of humanity. In some ways, that's how God carries out his judgment. God is right to judge and bring vengeance on those he desires to by whatever means he desires to. Even in the New Testament, in Romans 13, we see God says, okay, the sword belongs to the government. The sword, the idea there is, hey, if there needs to be something carried out, if there needs to be life taken, then, then God has uh, given that power to the government. So when we see the word kill here, perhaps that's maybe the, the mindset that we need to have, not that we need to go out and start killing people. We certainly do not need to murder people, but there are times that we see in Scripture even where there is a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Again, very practical advice. There's probably everybody in this room, if you've, if you've got some property, there's probably been an old building or an old barn uh, on your property, and there comes a time where you say, this old thing has fallen down. It's time to tear it down. It's served its purpose. Its time is up. It's stored the hay for years. It, it, it housed the animals for years, but it's good. It's gone. It's time to tear it down. But there's other times where it's time to build things up. Hey, we're going we're gonna to rebuild this. We're going to restore this. We're going to put something new here. It's time for something new, for something better. And that is the cycle of life. There are times when things come and times when things go. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Certainly that is true in our life. There are times in our life that we weep. And that's okay. There are times in our life that we may weep over our sin. Maybe we don't do that as much as we should. Maybe we weep over situations that have occurred in our life. And there is certainly nothing wrong with weeping, and I believe it's healthy for us to weep. That's a, that's a natural response that we feel as human beings. Uh, probably everybody's favorite memory verse when you were a kid, Jesus wept. That was easy to remember. But it shows us the reality that weeping is a part of life, even for the Son of God. There are times that come in our life when we weep. But praise the Lord, also life is not just full of weeping, but sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we laugh while we're weeping. Sometimes in the midst of our sadness and weeping, we, we, we find a reason to laugh. And, and what a joy it is to laugh. As the saying goes, laughter is medicine for the soul. And so in all of these times that we see about, the ups and the downs, it seems as though things remained balanced. Things never get too good and things never get too bad. It's an ebb and flow throughout time. A time to mourn and a time to dance. There has certainly been much mourning in our community in the last few months. I have preached seven funerals in the last seven weeks. It is, it is pretty phenomenal, and it's not just right here. It's, it's really all around our area. It has been a lot of loss, and it has been a lot of mourning. And I'm going to tell you what, that will zap you. You know it. If you lose one person in your family, that mourning will, 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 will zap you for a couple of weeks probably. And, man, when you get one loss after another, that is just, 
That is just one blow, like, a, like, like waves come in. You know, you, you think, okay, the wave's gone, I'm going to get up, and then the next wave comes and, and batters you down, and that, that really wears the soul down. We need to pray for each other as a church and for our community because there's a lot of folks in this church that have been connected with a lot of the deaths that has taken place, and, and we feel that, or I feel it. I suspect that you guys do too. And so there is a time to mourn, but we can't mourn forever. We have to remember that too. Uh, sometimes we, we may let the morning get the best of us, but we cannot give up. We mourn in its time, but then we move on when the time has passed. There's also a time to dance. Perhaps we mourn when we lose those we love, but man, you think about happy occasions. Sure, we're going to lose those we love this year. It's inevitable, but, but somebody we love is perhaps going to get married. What a joyous celebration of marriage is and the marriage feast and, and getting together and dancing and celebration and the joy and the smile. And so as time goes on, we have the good days and we have the bad days. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. Now that, that first part there is kind of a tough. What, what exactly does that mean? Well, it's, it's not really known exactly what that means. There are a couple of... Uh, uh, main main uh, ideas that people throw out. One is using stones to build stuff. Perhaps you're building a stone wall or some type of structure. There's a time to, to gather those stones and, and, and build them up into what you need them to be built up into. There are a time to scatter and throw those stones when you don't need them. That's one possibility. Another possibility is perhaps this is used uh, uh, when it's time to farm. If you want good farmland that's going to grow crops, you want to gather all the rocks out of the farmland. You can't plant stuff in rocks. We know that. A couple weeks ago, Jesus told us in a parable, you can't plant your seed on a rock, so you get all the rocks out of the soil. You gather those rocks. Some of you have probably done that before. But perhaps if you don't want something to grow somewhere, maybe you scatter those rocks back onto that land. And perhaps that's the meaning of that part of the passage there. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing or avoid embracing. Now, we have all experienced this before. There are some times in life where you need a hug. There are some times you just need somebody you love to come up to you and give you a hug. You don't have to say anything. Words are not needed. Just a loving, warm embrace is all that is needed. There is a time that that needs to take place. But then, of course, there are other times that you need to avoid embracing. There's sometimes you don't want to hug. You don't want anybody around you. You don't want anybody to say anything to you. There are times you just need to be alone. And so it is with life. We need to remember these things. There's a time for all of these things. Sometimes, you know, we... We, with a right heart, we say, man, I need, to, I need to hug that person. I need to tell them something. And maybe sometimes you do, but maybe we need to say, God, help me to know which time is which. That's the hard part, right, when we're talking about times. How do we know which times are which times? Well, pray and ask God to help you know, when do I need to hug and when do I need to, when do I need to give somebody space? There's a time for both in our life. There's a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. Now, those of you in here that have done any sewing, you definitely know this to be a fact. Sometimes as you're sewing things, you must tear it apart. You must rip it out. Maybe you're ripping something up to use the material for something else. Maybe you're repairing a mistake that was, that was made. Maybe you need to make an adjustment of some sort. But there is a time to tear things apart, and there is a time to sew things back together. 
a time to be silent and a time to speak. That's a good one right there. When do we keep our mouth shut and when do we speak up? Well, that's one that we want to know the right time to because inevitably I always feel like I do the exact opposite of what I should have done. Half the time I think, man, I should have spoke up and I was silent. The other half of the time I speak up and think, man, I should have kept my mouth shut right there. <laughs> but there's a time for each. Now, some of us have a problem one way or another. Sometimes we just speak, 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 speak. And other times, you never speak. But there's a time for both. So again, I can't tell you when to speak, but we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us and let us know, okay, God, when do I need to bite my tongue? When do I need to keep my mouth shut? And God, when do I need to speak up and stand firm and stand strong and speak the truth or whatever needs to be said? There's a time for each. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate. Oh, there's another good one. All right, I'm glad to hear that because there are some people I really hate. Well, this is not the kind of hatred that this passage is talking about. We certainly should hate certain sins and certain things that's going on, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I certainly don't believe that this passage is giving us freedom to hate other people because of wrongs that they have done to us. The Bible would say just the opposite of that. Read the New Testament. Read what Jesus tells us. We aren't to hate those who wrong us, but we are to love them and pray for them and do good to those who do bad to us. Now, there is a time that there are things in our life that we should hate. We should hate sin. We should not be okay with that. We need more hatred of sin in our world today, but instead we accept sin. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Now, that's a, that's a hard truth, right? I mean, because, because what we think and what we want is, is peace, peace, peace all the time. And we hear war and we, and we always think of it as a bad thing, and it is. War is a bad thing, but yet, even though it's a bad thing, the Scripture says there's a time for it. It is inevitable. We will never find peace in this earth. There will always be times of war. There will always be times of peace, but they will never both exist forever. They both have their times. There are ups and there are downs. Verse 9, what profit is there to the worker from that in which he tolls? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. So what's the point? That's kind of what we see. I encourage you to read Ecclesiastes if you've not read Ecclesiastes. What's the point of life if all of these times are going to come and, and these things that, that are going to happen? Is this, is this just all there is to life, that God has just given us this and this is life? Well, that's, that's the answer that Ecclesiastes is trying to answer. Is there something more? Is there a bigger picture? Is there something greater? than the times that we have and the goods and the bads and the ups and the downs. Well, as we read through the book of Ecclesiastes, we see that there is certainly an answer to that. There is something greater to the times that we are in. Verse 11, He, that is God, has made everything appropriate in its time. That's a, that's a beautiful verse to think about. God has made everything appropriate, or some of your translations may say beautiful, in its time. Everything, everything in its time is appropriate. 
that's a hard one to swallow, right? Because there are things that, that sometimes this thing happens and that thing happens, and we think that is not a good thing. But yet our Bible says that these things happen in their right time and they are appropriate or they are beautiful because all that God does, he is right in doing. All that God does is out of love. All that God does is to build up his kingdom. And all the times that we go through, and you can look at this list, and you can go back over the last year, and I can just about guarantee you that everything in this list, the good and the bad, you have experienced. You have experienced those best days. You have experienced those worst days. You have experienced the ups and the downs. Look back at the years of your life. Sometimes you may have three or four years where things are fantastic and everything seems to be up. And then you will have three or four years where you don't know how you're going to make it another day. But that's the cycle of life. But everything happens in its time. And it is appropriate. And it is beautiful because God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. He also said eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So even though we have God's word and we, we can say, okay, God is at work, we, we still don't completely understand God. But but he puts, he puts enough knowledge in our mind and in our hearts to know that there is, that there is an eternity. There's, there's times past us and there's times uh, in the future of us. And God has put the idea of eternity in our hearts, even though we don't fully understand all that God does and the way he does it, yet there's something in us to, to help us to know there's something more than what we see. There's something more that was before us and will be after us in eternity. And a God who created all things in the midst of this eternity, in this time in which we sit on these pews today, God has put all of these things into, into motion. There are good times and bad times, but it's all part of a bigger picture, something greater that we can't fully understand in this life. But yet God helps us to understand a little bit of it through his word, through Jesus Christ. Helps us to know what we need to know to say, hey, there's something more than what we see these good days in these bad days. Verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Now some of you may have caught on that I am not preaching from the Holman Christian Standard this morning. I'm using the NASB. And it is for this verse because I'm not sure that maybe the Holman Christian Standard portrayed the verse maybe as it was intended to be portrayed. Now, in the Holman, it says something like, uh, live the good life. And that, that has a, different, a whole different feeling than to, to do good in life. And so what I'm reading from the, the, the NASB for that reason, it says, I know that there is nothing better than for them to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good and all his labor, it is the gift of God. So in all of these things that we go through in life, in the good times and in the bad times, what does it all come down to? That we are to live our life and we are to strive to do good in life. Now that's not to say that life is not good. We do, in many ways, live a good life. That's, that's certainly true. 
But, but it seems that maybe the point that the author is trying to make here is that we are to strive to do good in life. And for what reason? That every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labors. Okay, so we go through this life. We go through the times that are good, that are bad. But what does it all come down to? Well, God gives us things to eat and gives us things to drink, and that is life. We eat, we drink, we wake up every day the good with the bad, we strive to do good. And that, it says, is the gift of God. This is our calling in life. This is, the, this is the reality check. This is the expectation, not that all things are well, never will there be a hard day, even for those in Christ, but God will bless you and give you all the wealth and the riches and the health that you have ever wanted, and all will be good. Now, that may be the message that some preach, but that is not the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is, is, is summed up for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. Life is hard. So what do we do? We make it through life. We eat, we drink, we strive to do good, and that is the gift of God. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. Now that's that's a that's a powerful reminder that what God does will be forever. That nothing is going to take away or add to it that God is in control of all that there is. And that's really the whole point of Ecclesiastes. When you get to the end of the book, what else is there to to think about or to dwell on or to worry about other than God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. We should fear him and serve him. That's what it comes down to in life. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. There are some who seems like everything is going to go right for them and some who you feel like nothing ever goes right for you. But at the end of the day, there is only one thing that matters, and that is that God desires for us to fear him, or some of your translations may say to be in awe of him. As the scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we look at our life and we say, well, if it's good times and bad times and things are always going to be bad for us on occasion in this life, how do we keep going? What's the point? Isn't this kind of depressing? The point is God is good. In the midst of the ups and the downs in this life, there is one thing that is never changing, and that is God. He has put these times that we go through, that we live in, into, uh, into the places where they need to be. God is good. God is all-powerful. God is in control. And it is God who has put eternity in your heart. In the words of Scripture, to let us know that there is something better than what this world has, that through Jesus Christ, our sins will be forgiven when we repent and put our faith in Him, and that through Him, we will leave the ups and the downs, and we will only experience the up of the eternity of God and the power of his love. That is the goodness. That is what it all comes down to. At the end of it all, in Ecclesiastes, don't worry about the things of this life, the wealth of this world, the ups and the downs. These times come. Just accept it. We have to accept that times come and they are good and they are bad. And you may be in a bad season today, but guess what? Better times are coming. You say, how can you know that? Because that is the cycle of life. What God desires is that we seek him in the midst of our time, that we seek him more than the things 
of this world. And in verse 15, it says, that which has, all, has been already and that which will be has already been. For God seeks what has passed by. Or some of your translations say God repeats what has passed. And that is the cycle of life. Now, we have a tendency because, of course, we can only live in our time. We can't live in any other time to think that that our life and our time is unique from any other time in the history of the world. But yet Ecclesiastes would remind us that there is nothing new under the sun, that whatever is has already been before us. Now you may be saying, well, there was no iPhone back 3,000 years ago. That's not what it means. But as humanity goes and as people go, things do not change. You don't have to read very far in Scripture to see People have always been evil. Things have always been bad to some extent. But on the flip side, there are certainly many good things in Scripture. But in the midst of it all, there is one constant from Genesis to Revelation, and that is God. He is the constant who has always been and who will always be. While everything else is up and down, while everything else just continues to repeat itself, God is constant. Now, who's to say what will happen in our lifetime? I don't know what the future holds for any of us, but I have a pretty good idea. I think the future holds some good people doing some good things, some bad people doing some bad things, more wars to come and more times of peace, more natural disasters, more seasons of beautiful weather, Seasons of global warming. The world comes and it goes. The world spins, but nothing changes. But there is one constant in the midst of all that we experience, and that is God. So what about you today? In the midst of your times, in your good times, in your bad times, is God above all the things of this world? Now, I don't know where you are in your life. I hope you're in a good time. And if you are, God is with you. But if you're in a bad time, I want to let you know that, that God is with you too. And this is life. This will be life in 2023. You will have a good day and you will have a bad day. But God is bigger than life. God is more than what we see in this life. And that is what the author of Ecclesiastes wants to tell us. That our expectations for joy should not come from the things in this world, but that our expectations for joy will come in the Lord. And I will say that that is one expectation in which we will not be disappointed. If our expectation for joy and peace and comfort and strength and deliverance is placed in Jesus Christ, is placed in God, then I can guarantee you that expectation of the feeling that we will experience when we are in His presence we will not be disappointed. And let us remember that as we go through this year, as we go through the times that are good and the times that are bad, to keep our eyes above all these things, to keep our eyes on the cross, to keep our eyes on the Lord, and let our joy be found in God alone. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your words. And I pray that you would help us. God, we... Uh, we go through life, and it is tough. 
it's it's not just one or two people, dear Lord. It is everybody on this planet. We we got our seasons of of loss and suffering and sorrow and pain, but God, but you are good to us. You don't just give us times of sorrow. You give us times of laughter and joy and peace. And so, God, we thank you for for keeping us leveled out. Dear Lord, there are some in this room today probably that are doing pretty good. And I pray that you continue to be with them. God, maybe there are some others in this room that are struggling right now. And maybe they've been in a season of of difficulty for, for years now. God, maybe they're wondering where you are. God, maybe they're wrestling with you right now. But God, it's better for us to wrestle with you than to give up on you. So God, I pray that if there are any in this room that are wrestling with you today, that they continue to wrestle with you, but but that they would stand firm on the truth of your word, that you are with us, God. Even when we don't understand it, we we don't see you, it doesn't feel like it, God. Even in these times, you are with us. So God, let us stand on the truth of your word this morning. God, even though I know the reality is, is that hard times will continue to come in our lives, I pray, God, that you give us as many good times as you can. I pray, God, even for this church and this community, God, that you would give us a season of rest and peace, dear Lord, after all the, the hecticness of the, of the Christmas season and the death that we have experienced in our community. God, I pray that you would give us, give us rest. But God, if you, if you don't give us rest, dear Lord, even if more hard times come, I just pray that you give us strength because, God, we cannot make it through without you. God, I pray that we don't seek joy in the things of this world. Our our bubbles will be busted. God, even on the best days, there's a bad day right around the corner. But God, if we seek you, we will always find joy. God, we will never be disappointed by seeking you, by listening to you, by following you, by, by being in your presence, dear Lord, and doing your good works. So God, in the midst of it all, let us continue to live our lives as best we can. Let us Eat and drink what you've blessed us with. Find enjoyments and many of the great things you've given us in this life. And let us, God, be those who strive to do good. God, that is your gift. That is what gets us through, dear Lord. You give us, you give us those little nuggets of goodness throughout our life, those seasons of joy, and we thank you for it. God, I pray that if there is one in this room that does not know Jesus Christ, that they would know him today. Maybe, maybe they're going through the ups and downs of life looking for a, looking for a hope, for an answer. But God, today I pray that you would help them to know that the Holy Spirit would convict them that Jesus Christ is the answer and there is no hope in anyone else. So God, I pray that you help us all to seek you and trust you today, that to Jesus we make it through this life. We make it through the good days and we make it through the bad days. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.